that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, right at the very core of the Christian faith is relationship. This makes the Christian faith profoundly attractive. The relationship at the core of the Christian faith is couched in terms of family. Because the head of the family is God the Father, therefore the relationship is termed and couched in terms of eternity. And because God is pure and good, the relationship is couched in the terms of light and love. Uh, Jesus captures this, doesn't he, in John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 3, where he says, this is eternal life, that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. But even a, a casual reading of 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, shows this understanding of relationship, family, God the Father, fellowship, to be at the heart of the Christian faith. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. And the eternal life was with the Father, was made manifest to us. We proclaim to this to you so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father. Now, there's no doubt that eternity and immortality is something that people crave. One of the things I do a lot of when uh, I'm away on holiday is driving a tractor, and uh, I tried to introduce one of our visiting speakers to this concept, and it did not end well, as you may have noticed if you were here over the last few weeks. One of the things we have to do a lot of is cutting weed. That's thistles and that sort of thing, not the other kind of weed. And one of the things that has made tractor work much more interesting is podcasts. And so I often listen to podcasts when I'm sitting there bumbling away on our little tractor. And one of the podcasts I listened to this, this uh, summer was by, uh, with Professor John Lennox, who was interviewed by the former Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, John Anderson, on the idea of artificial intelligence, which John Lennox has just written a book about. And it's a fascinating podcast worth listening to. But one of the things John Lennox talked about in general at artificial intelligence is that people are now, through artificial intelligence, seeking to immortalize themselves and believe there will come a time where they can kind of create this artificial intelligence immortal being. Of course, he referred to things like cryogenics, cryogenics rather. And did you know that with Alcor Life Extension Foundation, you can have your whole body frozen for just 170,000 quid, just as long as you pay the annual subscription of 420 pounds as well. 
And if that's a little bit too much for you, neuropreservation is where they simply chop off your head and shoulders, or head and neck, and freeze that on the understanding that the head will be able to regenerate a new body by the time of defrosting when that comes about. Well, good luck if you want to get into that sort of thing. But there's no doubt that people are interested in this concept of immortality and eternity. And what the Apostle John is saying to his readers right from the outset is, look, we proclaim to you eternal life. This eternal life is with the Father. He, of course, is the Father. It's a, a, a relational reality. And in the Father, there is no darkness. He is light only. It, it's a good reality. And he's the Father of love. It's a loving reality. And this, therefore, creates a glorious, relational, loving, light-filled community. And this, in and through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, is eternal life. Of course, it means we can actually begin eternal life now and begin to experience eternal life, if you like, now in relationship with the Father and with one another. So over the next 12 weeks, I think our um, agenda is really wonderfully positive. Uh, John actually spells out the purpose of his letter. It's one of the things one tries to do as, as one's studying a letter. What's the point of it? In chapter 5 and verse 13, you can turn over a few pages there. I Chapter 5 and verse 13, it's way at page 1230. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. This is what John wants for us, assurance, certainty, confidence, that we have eternal life, but this eternal life is couched in terms of relationship with the Father who is eternal, who is light, who is love, and those who he calls together in this loving body. I think we can be tighter than that. There's a guy called Andy Gemmell, he used to work here and uh, back in the 1990s, and he gave a series of talks on 1 John a, few, a couple of years back, a few years back. And in it, he made the point about the purpose of John's writing. And he directed us to chapter 2 and verse 19, which is a fascinating verse. You want to turn back one page. And in John 2, 1 John 2, 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out from us, that it might be claimed that they are all not of us. So he called this group that had gone out from this community of light and love founded on the truth of God the Father and his son Jesus Christ. He called this group the departed, not meaning that they were dead, but they departed, they'd gone out. It can be incredibly unsettling when people, if you like, go out from any group. It can be incredibly unsettling when people go out from a church, depart, on grounds of one view or another about Jesus Christ and so forth. Very unsettling. And John is writing so that we might have assurance that we have eternal life. This life comes from the Father through the Son in a community of light and love. 
Well, three very simple points today. Eternal life has been displayed. Eternal life is now declared. Eternal life can be enjoyed. Displayed, declared, enjoyed. Displayed, declared, enjoyed. Eternal life has been displayed. The point here, and we're back in chapter one, verses one and two, is that eternal life, which was from the beginning, it's not something unclear or vague. It's not something about which we need to speculate. No guesswork is needed. It's no longer hidden away. It has been revealed. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which, are, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, The life was made manifest, we've seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now you see the word manifest, it's repeated twice. It speaks of bringing something out into the open. I mean, tomorrow, something will be brought out into the open. The new prime minister of the United Kingdom. Over the summer, there was much discussion about Lord Carnarvon and Howard Carter and whether they'd squirreled away some of the treasures of Tutankhamun when they discovered that tomb way back in the 1920s. I remember in the 1970s, and some of you older people will remember this, when the treasures of Tutankhamun's tomb were brought on a kind of, you know, a worldwide tour. We could all go and see. Of course, once it... When it lies undiscovered, it remains a matter of speculation. Once it's uncovered, revelation, it's all clear. And Christian faith, why it says John, it's a matter of revelation, not speculation. It's a matter of certainty, not insecurity. It's a matter of fact, not fiction. Friendship, not formula. This is the Christian faith. That which was in the beginning, which you might want to speculate, you no longer need speculate anymore because it's been made manifest. And that which was manifest, we proclaim to you. Did you notice that three of the five senses are involved there? Taste is not there. Touch, hearing, seeing. Verse one, heard, seen, looked on, touched. Verse two, was made manifest, seen. Verse three, seen, heard. Which means that had we been there, we would have seen eternal life in the flesh. We would have witnessed it firsthand. We could have handled eternal life in person. We would have heard eternal life expounded by the Lord Jesus. We could have pondered it and cross-examined it. At first sight, it looks like we have seen and we have looked on is saying the same thing twice, but I think the looked upon is the idea of pondering, considering, weighing, chewing over. Had they had their iPhones, the apostles would have given us a recording of it. It would have been uploaded on YouTube. They would have been all over their Instagram posts. They could have taken selfies. Just as real as the holiday video of you riding an elephant or the snap of you with granny or taking a YouTube and uploading it of you on the beach at Marrakesh or whatever it is you got up to. This is the season for unusual sightings in England, and the UK press is full of unusual sightings. Over at the 10 o'clock, where we have a children's talk, it was done brilliantly. They they had a camel, 
I mean, not a real one, that kept coming on. And the speaker kept disappearing. The camel would come on. The children would be, oh, it's over there. They, they were actually out to touch the camel. The camel made a camel-like noise and so forth. And then the speaker came back. Did you touch it? And did you hear it? And so on and so forth. But here's, um, here is uh, John's point. In the press in the UK, we've had the Beast of Bob Mimor doing the rounds again, haven't we? I used to tell children stories of the Beast of Bob Mimor, and they didn't sleep for night after night after my tales of the Beast of Bob Mimor. One of our neighbors actually saw the Beast of Bob Mimor, but it was after cider o'clock, and therefore I have a degree of suspicion about his sighting. And the Western Morning News recorded the Beast of Bob Mimor on the back of a cow trying to bite its throat out, but no evidence was ever actually produced. However, this week you may have noticed that in the east of France, a savannah cat was captured. And so in the east of France, all speculation ceases because we've had revelation. So you see, the Christian faith, says John, it's not a matter of speculation, it's a matter of revelation. It's not a matter of religion, it's a matter of revelation. That which we have seen, that which we have touched. Do you notice the parallels with John's gospel? I wonder if you spot that. You know, many of us are going to be studying John's gospel through the year. So we're looking at John's gospel in our small groups from the Sunday morning congregations through the year. And our studies in 1, 2, and 3 John through the autumn are deliberate. We're going to study... Revelation at the weekends away, 1, 2, and 3 John through the autumn, and John's gospel through the year. And the intention is to get at least an overview of all of the Apostle John's teaching. Listen to the way, I'm really excited about it. I hope that you look as if that doesn't interest you at all, but I think it's absolutely fantastic for us to be able to get a grip with all of John's teaching and to overview it through the course of the year. But listen to the way John's gospel begins. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen to how the letter begins. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Uh, listen to the way John's gospel concludes. Thomas, unless I see in his hands, unless I place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So topping and tailing John's gospel is this, we've seen it, we've heard it. Thomas touched it. And now here is the apostle John, that which we saw, the incarnate, resurrected Jesus Christ. This we proclaim to you concerning eternal life. Ah, says somebody, but that was back then. I didn't see it. And the apostles didn't have an iPhone 13 Pro Max. Point two, displayed, declared. Eternal life is now declared. Now, for a few moments, what I want to do is for us to pause and consider the pronouns. I am sorry about this. I know it's the beginning of school term. And pronouns, well, what on earth are they? I'm a geographer, and so I'm good at coloring in. Pronouns is not my real forte. 
Pronouns are the I, you, he, she, it, we, you plural, they words. So let's get back to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Let me emphasize the pronouns. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. Now, it doesn't take a great deal of concentration to work out that there must therefore be two groups. <laughs> there's the we, the us, the our, first person plural, and there's the you, second person plural. We find this all the way through the letter. Those who saw the we, us, those are the eyewitnesses who were there with Jesus. Those to whom what those who saw now proclaim that which they saw, that's the you, that's us, you and me. And we find this distinction all the way through the letter. This means that John cannot be assuming that we here today saw, heard, touched, and looked upon. He understands that you and I were not part of the group. We were not part of the group who originally saw and heard and touched. If you want to put this in a slightly more posh way, John understands the necessity of historical particularity. But that you and I did not see does not make the revelation any less reliable. I mean, I didn't see Henry VIII behead Anne Boleyn. I didn't see Scott of the Antarctic, you know, head all the way up or, you know, or down or whichever way it was. I wasn't there when Caesar was doing his stuff, but I believe it because those who heard and saw and touched declared it. This is especially too, true because of what John says in verse 2. Look at it. It's bracketed with the idea of being manifest. The life was man made manifest and we have seen it. And we testify to it the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That, that word testify, you know, it's a technical word. It's the word witness. And you'll find in the New Testament that word witness is not in the vast 98% of instances used of you and me who didn't witness. It's used of the original eyewitnesses who did witness. Jesus makes this plain, doesn't he? In John's Gospel, chapter 15, you can look it up if you want to. When the helper comes whom I will send to you apostles from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will testify to me because you've been with me from the beginning. So there was, if you like, an authoritative group of eyewitness apostles specifically appointed by the Lord Jesus Christ 
who was from the beginning, who came to us from the Father, who lived his life in the incarnation, who died and rose, so that that group can proclaim to us eternal life from the Father and the Son, so that we can have fellowship with the Father and the Son, and they can do so with authority. It means that the Apostle John is writing to this group of Christian people in the wake of people going out from them, the departed, The Apostle John is assuring them that the life that was made manifest is now declared in and through the appointed and anointed spokesman, specifically commissioned as authoritative, trustworthy eyewitnesses to declare what they saw and heard. Now, of course, we don't have to have a YouTube clip. Of course we don't. Historical particularity. Of course you weren't there. You couldn't be there. Uh, You can't be in every place all the time. You can't be at every point in history. Uh, Just because you weren't there doesn't mean it didn't happen. And of course God will not and would never produce a display in every generation and for every individual. You sometimes hear somebody saying, oh, well, I need God to show it to me particularly. No, 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 that's not the way the world works. It's not the way history works. And it would be absurd if you could say, well, I want my own personal little display like this. And somebody else in another generation said, well, I wanted it. God would be dancing around at your beck and call. He has made known in history. He has appointed eyewitness testimony. And they proclaim eternal life to us. Here is Professor Richard Baucom. He puts it like this. It's crucial to note that the 12 apostles were disciples of Jesus, the teacher, appointed in the first place to be with him, to learn from both his teaching and his company, and thereby qualified for the mission of continuing his mission. So eternal life was displayed in and through the historical life, death and and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This life was the life that is the life of God. It became flesh in the person of Jesus. Jesus was incarnate. This life in the person of Jesus went to the cross and made atonement for sin. This life was raised up. This life in Jesus now reigns for eternity. And the way we, if you like, access this life is through those whom he commissioned and appointed to declare to us as an authoritative group the truth of eternal life. We're not that unhappy with that kind of idea, are we? Got a problem with your eyes? You don't go to a car mechanic? Got a problem with your mortgage? You don't go to your gym instructor? Got a problem needing legal advice? You can't afford to go for that, so we won't put that to one side, shall we, for a moment. But you want to know about eternal life? We'll go to the authoritative group who were trained by Jesus and taught to declare to us that which has been manifest. How good God is. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of eternal life. How good God is. He doesn't want us to be insecure about eternal life. How good God is. 
He doesn't want us to be isolated, atomized individuals cut off from him, floating like irrelevant specks in the immensity of his universe. How good God is. He's displayed it. He's declared it. You know the children's game, Blind Man's Bluff? You know, somebody with the blindfold on, stumbling around trying to get hold of somebody, the other people in the room, and when they catch hold of them, guessing who they are. God's not like that. He wants us to have fellowship with him. He wants you to have fellowship with him. He is light and love, and he wants you to have fellowship with him through his apostles. But if you go out from the apostles... If you won't have the apostles, you cannot have fellowship with God. There'll be more on that as we continue through the series. Can be enjoyed. You know, I can imagine somebody saying, well, this all sounds very theoretical and it's kind of out there and it's rather removed. It's not ever safe doing our Bible study by statistical count-ups, but the word abide comes 22 times in 1 John, and the word love, 18. Alongside abiding, that's remaining in, one of John's key emphases is the love, both that we experience from God, that we have for God, and as a result, in this family that we have for one another. And you can see from these opening verses that is exactly what John wants for us, that we're part of this family of love that is an eternal family that is constituted around God the Father, his son Jesus Christ, through the declaration of the apostles. Look at verse 2 and 3. We proclaim to you, halfway through verse 2, the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now you can see that the writing goes there from Father to Apostles, from Apostles to us, from us to the apostles, from the apostles to the Father. At the head of this family, the Father of light and love. The, if you like, key into this family, the teaching of the apostles concerning Jesus Christ. The experience of this family, a fellowship of joy. And we arrived late at the Mall on Platinum Jubilee weekend. The mall was heaving. We're talking about England here, we're talking about the Queen, uh, and we're talking about the Platinum Jubilee, okay? And the mall was absolutely heaving, heaving with people, and we arrived a bit late, but it nonetheless was a wonderful, wonderful moment as I don't know how many tens of thousand people crammed onto the mall all the way back into Trafalgar Square. A great sense of community. The highlight was when the uh, 
what appeared to be the entire British Air Force flew past, and you had the number 70 spelled out by various fighters. And some guy, you know, it's one of those wonderful community moments. Some guy turned to me and said, I expect EasyJet will be next. Well, actually, EasyJet, actually, as you will know from your holidays, they were on strike, so EasyJet was not going to be next, but it was one of those great moments. Can you imagine, as we all thronged in the mall? down into Trafalgar Square, if Her Majesty the Queen had leant forward and there were you and had picked you out in the crowd and said, come, come up, come and join, be part of the family. And then to another, come, come up, come and join, be, be part of the family. Come up, come and join, be part of the family. Now, this is not a family of light and love, perfect light and love. Say so you'd be bound to have certain kind of ambivalence, uncertainty about it. But God the Father, who was from the beginning, through the person of Jesus, his Son, who has made manifest to us resurrection life through the incarnate Jesus, says to us through the apostles, come up, come and join. And of course, when you join the community of light and love, it's a wonderful community to be part of. And love defines the community. And so as we join the Father, we join one another as brothers and sisters in this glorious fellowship that is constituted around Father, Son, Holy Spirit through work of apostle, displayed, declared, now enjoyed, it means eternal life can begin today if you join this community. It's not ethereal. Oh, it's very tangible. It's a community of light and love. You can be part of it. Depart from the apostles, you depart from it. So when people go out on grounds that they no longer agree with the Apostle Paul or the Apostle John or whatever it happens to be, don't be unsettled. Don't be unsettled. So long as you remain connected to the Lord Jesus through the testimony of the apostles, you're part of this glorious, glorious fellowship. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Let's pray together. Thank you, our Father in heaven, that you do not want us to be left in the dark. Thank you that you have manifested yourself in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is historical reality and that in your grace and kindness you appointed the apostles to declare this truth to us. Thank you for the beauty of knowing you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Thank you for the light and the love that we experience in him and with one another. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.